Welcome to the Arts and Humanities podcast for Friday, November the 2nd, 2007. Today we're at the Oxford International Centre for Publishing Studies, where Claire Squires will introduce today's speaker, Claire Christian. We apologise for the poor quality of this recording, which was made on Tuesday, the 30th of October. On to today's session, which um, is entitled Small Cog to Girl Friday. Um, I think this will probably become apparent why as, as Claire Christian talks. Um, Claire has worked for a number of very large publishing companies, which she will tell you a little bit more about when she um, starts talking. Um, but more recently, um, two years ago, she set up her own small business, very small business, currently five people working for it. Um, the Friday Project, um, which has um, a particular um, aim of using new media content and turning it into books. Um, uh, because of her work, um, she has been awarded the accolade of the British Council and London Book Fair UK Young Publisher of the Year, and she's also um, a frequent blogger as well, so you can catch up with what she says about her company and about the publishing industry. And she's going to tell us a bit more about herself and about the Friday Project. Thank you, Claire. Okay, thank you. Right, well, thank you for letting uh, me come along. And tell me if you can't hear me, because I know I'm not very good at projecting my voice, and I also have a bit of a tendency to trail off towards the end of sentences, so do remind me if I do. Um, I'm aware that I'm probably reasonably junior in some ways compared to some of the people that you, you see here uh, giving uh, talks. And I don't know like, whether that will turn out to be a good thing or a bad thing because I've sort of done quite a, a lot out of sequence in a way. I've started the company sooner than perhaps <coughs> experience should have told me to, but you have to take your opportunities when they come up, and that's, that's what I did. But my background in terms of getting into publishing was um, pretty traditional. I did a degree, although that degree was in zoology, which is less traditional. And, um, and I actually wanted to follow a career in zoology. I wanted to do kind of practical field work, but uh, the lack of money sort of put me off in the end. And uh, so I decided that I wanted to publish, um, I wanted to go to publish I love books, and I wanted to publish popular science books. Now, of course, as things have, as, as I've learned more about publishing, I've realised how ridiculous it is to go into publishing wanting to publish one particular thing, because you could be pretty much certain that you won't, your first job is unlikely to be the one that you want to doing it. And so, I ended up as an editorial assistant for um, a company in, and that was computing and engineering, academic books, totally different. But my strategy for getting into publishing, which again, I'm not sure if I was a bit short-sighted in doing this, but I specifically focused on big publishers. And I just sat down with a copy of the Writing Artist Yearbook, and I looked at all the publishers, and I sent speculative letters to as many as I could, and sure, you know, just the uh, uh, sort of laws of probabilities meant that some came back and they had openings, and I went to interviews and and was eventually offered a job. Um, but what I did find was that the very first job that I was offered, I turned down because um, one, the, I think the, the guy that was interviewing me said, well, you know, why do you want to get into publishing? What, what do you, you know, what, what's the reason? And one of the things I said was that I really love books. And he said, oh, well, we'll soon change that. And I thought, well, that's depressing. And they offered me the job, and I said no. Because I don't want to work for somebody that feels like that. So anyway, but I did eventually get a job at McGraw-Hill, which is an academic publisher, um, and that was the computing and engineering job. Um, and I really, really hated it. I thought I'd done the wrong thing. Uh, it was it was editorial assistant, so it was all the things that you... I think the trouble is you come out of university, you've been so used to being really pro proactive and learning a lot and everything, and then all of a sudden you're sat with a, a photocopier and a load of addresses and 
you know, you kind of have to start pretty much at the bottom and it was really dull. So I thought I'd done the wrong thing, but I actually switched then to Wiley, another quite another big academic publisher, <coughs> in a job a, a little bit more related to what I wanted to do. Uh, and then it kind of, then I sort of progressed through that quite, quite happily. Um, so I made a definite decision to, to target the big companies. Um, and as I progressed over time, and the knowledge that perhaps I could have used in this company that I have now, perhaps a smaller company may have been better, but I'll talk about that a bit in, in a minute. So I went from McGraw-Hill to Wiley, to um, Orion, and then to Pearson, uh, and then to Hodder, Hodder Headline, before starting the Friday project. So apart from the Friday project, my experience has always been with the bigger ones. And the things that I liked about the big publishers, uh, which, you know, if you're considering applying to someone, is um, having the support of a big team. I think what you can learn from a, a large number of colleagues is really useful. You have structured training, which is fantastic. Um, your resources are generally on hand. So if you go into the editorial department, you've got a PR department, a sales department, uh, a sort of uh, design department, all these people right next to you, it's, it's kind of easy. You can walk around the corner and show them how look at the cover. Great. Um, the range of books is great because even if you're focusing on one imprint or one genre, you've got you know, you make friends with people who do different things, so that's good. The benefits are good. Although salaries in publishing tend not to be brilliant anyway, the, the benefits that you have in a big publisher, healthcare, pension and thing, that's obviously useful. And if I'm being completely honest, when I targeted the big publishers, I wanted, uh, it was the prestige of it, if you, if you like, I wanted to be able to say that I was working for XYZ, big publisher, which I don't think is the right reason to do it. But um, I think another thing, which we'll come on to later, is the development of good contacts in a big publisher, the people that you meet every day are people that can come in hand very handy later on. It's definitely worth it for that. And also the social life in a big publisher, I think, is pretty good, um, which is a, can only be a good thing. So the things that I didn't like was the, the committee decisions on books. So as an, as an editor, when I'd gone through my sort of, uh, or being editorial assistant, gradually starting to commission and so on, selecting a book that I thought would do really well and taking it to a committee of 35 or 40 people none of whom really had any interest in the area in which I was commissioning and having them reject it on whatever basis, I found really disheartening. So that was, that's, that's a real disadvantage to the bigger publishers, I think, this kind of committee approach. I think the big publishers are slow to react as well. I think if publishing is an exciting environment, and I think if you can pop on a bandwagon quite quickly or do something to sort of uh, uh, take advantage of the opportunity, then so much the better. But the big publishers aren't really in a position to do that because, again, the sort of committee and the bureaucracy management structure you go through mean you have to ask this person, this person, this person, this person before you get a decision, by which time somebody else has left in and done it anyway. So that was a frustration too. Lack of commitment across departments is another thing, editorially speaking, that can be a bit frustrating. If you fall in, if you love a book, get it all through to publication, build up a really good relationship with the author. When it gets to the sales, as far as the sales team, it sort of drops off a cliff because perhaps they don't have the same passion as you, whereas if you're in a smaller company, you can see them going through. Um, I think that there is a... Oh, I think you can become pigeonholed in one particular type of publishing, which is true. I think making the jump from academic to trade, for example, is quite difficult. Um, uh, and that's a consideration. I also think there's a blame culture, or can be a blame culture. And, God, I seem to have a lot of um, discipline, things I didn't like, but it's not actually, that's not actually the case. But I do think that when there's lots of people, you can, it's much easier to shift the blame. So that's another thing. But I guess that goes for any, any company. And I think a big company can be fairly inflexible. And particularly, 
particularly those with older management structures. I know one of the places I used to work at, uh, at 9.30 or 9 o'clock, that one of the senior managers used to come around to do a desk check to make sure everybody was sat at their desk. And it just, it didn't encourage any kind of, uh, sort of motivation within the company, quite the opposite really. So there's that. So I think things to consider when going, sort of moving into a publishing company is whether you want to target academic or trade. Because I actually enjoy trade far more. Um, and, but I had wrongly thought that I was, you know, wanted to do academics. So I think that's quite a big decision to make early on because of the difficulty of changing over between the, the types of publishing. I think your own personality is important because it depends whether you prefer small teams or big organisations. And that, that might not become apparent until you're in there, but it's, a, it's something to think about. And also your future plans. If you do have any aspirations to sort of start up your own company, then perhaps a smaller company is better because of the cross the ring and board sort of uh, experience that you get in every kind of uh, department or every type of role. So the reason that I decided to start up the Friday project is I'd always kind of had this hankering to start up my own company anyway, but I didn't want it to be just another uh, sort of fiction publisher, small fiction publisher with no real hook. Uh, and so when the opportunity presented itself to do what we do, I sort of grabbed it, and, and what it was is we'd, I had with a colleague started up a number of websites, and one of them was a, was a London website uh, where people were invited to send in questions um, about the capital, and then other people could write in and answer the questions. And we just sort of, the more we went through it, it was really, they're really well written, really funny, really useful. We thought it would make a great book, but because of my past experience of publishing, I didn't want to get anybody else to publish it, I wanted to do it myself. So, uh, we actually self-published the book, London by London, based on that website. But of course we had no money, so in order to fund it, we actually pre-sold the book that didn't exist to our subscriber base. And we had about, we had about eight to 10,000 subscribers at that time, and we got about 10% uptake, which underwrote the production costs, which is fantastic. Uh, and of course, once we'd done that, we, we did that without any kind of gra more grand plan in place. But when we thought about it, it was, you know, it was when the web had really taken off and there was an awful lot of really brilliant web properties out there, all of which have got some fantastic content that at the time had only been showcased online and not in print. So because of the uptake from the web, from our subscribers, we thought there might be a model, business model in this and we decided to look at it a bit more closely. That's, uh, that's what we did. So um, we defined the business model at the beginning of 2005 and, uh, and identified the key web properties that we should look at developing. And it, it kind of, it sounds a bit odd. Because of this, this ongoing discussion about the longevity of print and whether, you know, whether print is, is going to win out against over online content, um, it seems a bit odd to be actually following a strategy whereby you are putting online content into print. But in the absence of any kind of really useful uh, electronic reader, a book still remains a very convenient and useful medium to, in which to receive the content, so that's, that's why we did that. Going back to my point about making good contacts when, you're at, when you start up and go through your career, I actually approached the, who had been the CEO of Orion at the time that I was working for Orion, Anthony Cheetah. Um, I just started with him because I thought he'd be a brilliant person to kind of run the business plan by. He, he really he loved it and said that he'd like to come on board and to help, and so it's very, very lucky. Um, but so he actually got managed, he 
guided me through a lot of the more compl complex aspects of starting up a company, which of course I've never, never done. We identified what we needed, which was primarily money, obviously. Um, and we also, key to a small publisher, or to any publisher, but to a small publisher in particular in sales and distribution, because of course, if you don't have those, the bookshops don't want to see you, you haven't got the means of getting the books out there. Regardless of what the demand is, you've just got this big aching sort of gap between product and purchaser. So, through Anthony again, good contact, I approached Richard Charkin, who I think has spoken here before, the CEO, or was CEO of Macmillan, before his surprise departure to Bloomsbury. Um, and he loved the concept too. Because, and I think the interesting thing is, is that although it's, it sounds kind of a really fancy thing to be doing, web to print sounds like a really kind of different thing, it's actually not. It's a straightforward publishing model. Publishing, it's just where we get the content that is different, but it's an interesting hook and it gets people interested as soon as we talk to them about it. So Macmillan agreed to do our sales and distribution. We invested our seed capital, which we um, uh, got from some friends and, friends and family round of investment um, in June 05, and then we uh, launched the company proper in June, and we had proper offices, so that's quite exciting, and we took on our first person in September 05. So up at, at that point, there was three of us, plus Anthony Jesus, who had remained our, our chairman, who was a uh, guiding light. Uh, so then, of course, you make the decision on whether, as a small company, you make the decision on whether to grow uh, organically or inorganically. And I'm not really very patient, so the idea of just sort of publishing some books, getting some money in, and then publishing some more books didn't really appeal. So we went out to raise bigger money from kind of a more formal uh, source uh, in order that we could then publish loads of books, because we felt that because of the nature of the type of publishing we were doing, we needed to really kind of stamp on the market so that the... Macmillan's or the you know, Brandon House or whoever wouldn't just come in and pinch our deal and pay us money, lots of books, and pinch our deal, basically. Um, so we got our money in in May of last year. We published 24 books last year on Facebook on the back of that, which is pretty good going for just quite a small team. Um, we generated a lot of really positive press coverage, I think, largely down to the type of publishing that we're doing, even though it's not particularly crazy different. And then we did a, we had a master strip when we hired the, um, who, who was the former buying manager of Waterstone, Scott Pack. Now he was a really useful person because I think in a small company, what you need to do is recognise what your strengths and weaknesses are. And our weakness was very definitely a much more commercial, um, sort, of, sort of, the commercial acumen, if you like, the retail perspective. Um, so Scott was a really brilliant person to come on board. Up until then, we'd been all about the editorial. We loved the books, got really excited about them, made them look gorgeous, but didn't really kind of weren't really, really sort of spot on about the positioning and so on. And of course, it helps. And he's got again brilliant contacts. So our positioning in stores now pretty good. So at that time, we'd been going for a year, just over a year, and it was time to really rationalise the business. I think it's important in any. A startup. I can't remember what the exact figures are, but you know, but there's a huge percentage of startups that fail within the first couple of years. So it was important after the first year or so to kind of have a look and see what we were doing, where we were going right, hopefully, anywhere we were going wrong, and really rationalise. And one of the areas that we felt that we were going wrong is that we'd, as a web-to-print company, we felt it very important to have an online division. The fact that the online division made absolutely no money at all and just cost us money it didn't seem to cross our minds at the beginning. It just had, you know, we had to do it, and that was a a decision that was made very much on emotion rather than business sense, in a way, early on. 
So we decided to sell off Friday Online and focus on our key revenue driver, which was obviously the books. So the problems that we faced with, with uh, do, you know, starting up the company was the speed at which we created our list because we felt it was important to kind of um, really get up and running very quickly so that young people, nobody else could jump in. We had to spend a lot to publish a lot. So in a small publishing company, cash flow is always really, really critical and it's really hard when you're trying to manage it at, at that level, you know, at the big very beginning. So the speed of creating a list was a problem. We had, had difficulty meeting a critical path, which was um, sort of set for us by Macmillan. One of the things that I wanted to do by setting up my own company was kind of sidestep the um, sort of irritating long lead times and the sort of the uh, demands of, that are normally set by a big publishing house when you have to have covers by, when you have to have information sheets by, when you have to do whatever. Um, but of course, by having a brilliant sales team like Hannah Millen on board, you end up having to conform to those anyway. So it was quite difficult for us to do that because we were we commissioned books in sort of June, May, June time of 05 and published we were publishing them in October 05. That's a really very short time frame, obviously. Um, we had great great ideas for the technology which we felt were very important in supporting our business model, using really using the web in order to promote the content that we had kind of sourced from the web. But of course, then you need a techie person to do that, which we didn't have. And you have to kind of, they, they were the sort of things that perhaps we should have thought about a little bit earlier on. We have them now, but it's something to consider. And then of course, just the sheer amount of work that needs to be done by a very small lean team. There's five of us now, uh, and we're publishing, I think it's 45 books this year, 60 next year. And of course, with every new book you publish, you've got, you know, you've got your backlist stacking up as well. It becomes quite a, a management feat. So, um, what, what I touched on earlier, which is sort of interesting, is that people um, say to me, well, I, you know, I thought it's all about blogs, Aren't, don't you publish books? And actually, there's very few of our books that are genuinely derived, or genuinely sort of re reproduced from blogs, because of course, the challenge is to kind of add value, because of course you can read it online. And okay, so you're putting it into a more convenient at the moment form by putting it into a book, but you don't want to directly reproduce it. You want to kind of take an element of the popular website or blog and then develop it into something that anybody's going to enjoy, and, you know, somebody that doesn't even know what a blog is. I think one of the things that we still forget now is that of all the people walking into Waterstones, there's probably... I know, I mean, there's probably still a majority that don't really know what a blog is, don't really understand it, might not, you know, might be put off by a blog. Um, so I think that's something, that's a hurdle that we've had to leave because obviously we're so immersed in the whole world of blogs and blogging and web, web, web content. It's important to remember that you need to make it very much more um, accessible to anyone that may not have come to it from that, from that route. Um, yeah, so one of, one of the other things that that also means, a knock-on effect of that, is actually, much as I wanted to reduce the lead times of books, sometimes it means that we have longer lead times, because if you just spot a, a sort of a germ of something within a website, something that looks like it would be really great to be developed, you might contact the web owned, site owner, discuss it with them, and then develop the whole book with them, rather than having a, a proposal that ends up on your desk, and you can't and it's kind of there for you, you have to put a lot more thought in, that's up front. 
So actually we probably created longer lead times than the short ones that we actually wanted to do. But I think, I hope that that is our, that's where our skill is, I hope. I think we do understand the web and I think that the authors that come to us, come to us even though we're small because they feel that they're gonna, they, them, their work is actually going to be reproduced in a much more sort of, uh, what's the, sort of more true to them, what they wanted it to be. Um, certainly, I know the very first author that came to us, he was offered a quite reasonable advance for a new author. He was offered £10,000 by a company uh, to do a book based on his blog. And I obviously couldn't offer him anything at the time. But he came in, he spoke to us, and he was talking about the fact that he wanted to uh, put his make his work available via a Creative Commons license, which effectively means that you're putting it out free for non-commercial use. And we could talk to him about that, so we weren't kind of terrified of it. And that's why he came to us. And he said that when he'd gone into the previous meeting, they'd asked him what a blog was, and so he'd explained it. And then they got the marketing people in, he had to explain again what a blog was. And he's kind of, I don't know if I really want my book to come out with these people. So I think that's our advantage. A lot of the big publishers are doing it, obviously. I mean, we're not the only people doing it, but I think we're the only people doing it in a focused way. So I sort of started off looking at the, um, the, the big publisher pros and cons, and I think it's, I, I'm a little bit sort of um, unbalanced in a way because, of course, my only experience with small publishers is the Friday Project. So I don't know if I'm being realistic about what I, my likes and dislikes, but I think if you're looking at um, thinking about joining a smaller publisher, these are what you might like and dislike. I think you'll be involved in everything from, from the very beginning. What I think might, production-wise, if you've got a real hankering to go into production, a small publisher perhaps isn't the way forward because you have to outsource such a lot of stuff. It's brilliant for editorial, brilliant for some project management and so on, but generally, I think, as far as I know, and some other things, a couple of small publishers I know do their own typesetting and things like that, but in terms of print buying and that sort of thing, we tend to outsource. But editorially speaking, what I do, um, I think you, you, know, you, you write in there the thick of it at the beginning. You also have much more opportunity to commission much earlier on, I think. I mean, it took me years and years and years to commission my first book working in the big publishers, where I think in, whereas in small publishers come in with an idea and everyone's delighted and you can take it forward and, and run with it. You have a small focused team and you share the highs and the lows and sometimes that's great and sometimes it's a nightmare because you become very involved with everybody obviously. Um, you also have things like the fact that we've, we've just moved offices and we've had to coordinate the entire office move. In previous companies I've worked for, you turn up one day, there's a load of boxes, you stick your stuff in the box, the next day you unpack it and that's all you see. This one, we had to you know, order the crates, pack them up, get them collected, hire a man in the van, all this sort of thing. So there's all those sort of things to consider that you might end up doing, which are not related to publishing at all, if you go to school. Um, it's very flexible and very, you, know, you can respond much more quickly as part of a small company. And that's where you can steal the march on the bigger publishers because you can react to them and get to them quick. And then perhaps the things that you might not like and that I don't like sometimes, you sometimes feel too small, a bit of an island perhaps in, in amongst everything. And obviously in bigger publishers there's almost always someone you can go and ask about something. Um, so there's fewer people to share the blame or share the pain when you're in a small company. The salaries may be lower. It's not necessarily the case. I think our salaries are pretty much within the industry standard, but there's no benefits. We, don't have, we are hoping to put in some couple in place, but there's no, at the moment there's no pension or health scheme or whatever. And then I suppose the thing to sort of finish, finish up on, I'm hoping very quickly, is um, 
all the sort of cliches that you that you see in the job advertisement are no, yeah, they're so much more appropriate when you're applying to a small company. Hitting the ground running, working well as part of a team, or you know, being highly going to self-starter is critical in a small company because you, you just don't have a chance to sit back and kind of think about anything. So I suppose uh, my, my sort of final word would be coming into publishing, into an actual publishing house, I suppose your consideration should be how gentle an introduction you want to, into publishing because a small house won't be gentle. Thank you.